Looks like everybody's here. You guys are sitting closer this time. That's okay. Awesome. More than welcome up here in the exciting parts. I didn't bring my whiteboard today, so hopefully we won't need it. I don't think I'm going to need it, but that's true. I could do that. Or I could have a volunteer come up and I could draw on them, someone with a white t-shirt on. You'd probably let me. <laughs> so how's everybody doing? Doing good? Doing good? How many of you guys were here uh, for Charlie speaking last week? Were you guys there for that? You guys weren't? No? You guys were there? Were you there? Is it Micah? Micah? Okay. Any comments from it? Was it good? Do you guys remember, was it good? I was pretty excited for what he was sharing on. I was pretty pumped. So, all right. Not much feedback. That's okay though. It was good. Yeah. What What'd you guys get? For, did anyone get something real good from it? Some, did you really? Wow. Hmm. Gotcha. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. Ugh. All right. Tonight we are talking about abiding. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we are going to get right into it. So, Father, thank you for tonight, Lord. Thank you for um, your goodness, God. I pray that, Lord, you would just um, shine your light on this topic tonight, Father. That we would just um, just really see, Jesus, what you were going after as you were teaching this to your disciples. That we would get a good grasp of um, really like the invitation that's been laid before us. And what's um, really like the vision, Lord, that you have for relationship with us, God. It's kind of what it is, Lord, the vision that you have, Father, for relationship with us, Lord God. So um, open our eyes to that even more tonight, Father. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come into this place, Lord. We just invite you to do your work in this place, God. Lord, to just um, minister to our hearts, Lord. To give us revelation knowledge, God, that goes beyond the scriptures, Lord, to... Just um, enlighten us where we are tonight, God. Thank you that you know where we are, God. Just We just release that tonight, Father. And I just release fresh encounter of your goodness, God, on the group tonight. Just fresh encounters of your goodness, Lord. For everyone, amen. All right. So, we were talking about abiding. Um... Probably like one of my favorite topics, and yet it's like so big. Um, like as I began to like try and look at it as to how to teach it, it was almost, I'm not going to say overwhelming, but it was, it was right there. It was like there was just so much that like it would just keep leading to. Um, the, like 
<clears throat> the word I'm referring to is found in, um, Jesus uses it, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He uses it seven plus times in John 14 through 17, which we've been in there for like a couple weeks now. And Charlie told me that he used that too, so that's awesome. Awesome, awesome chapters in scripture, but um, he uses the word abide um, seven times at least in there, and there's other times where he's, he's like very strongly referring to it, and he doesn't actually use the word, but the word in the Greek is M-E-N-O, meno. I think that's how you pronounce it. You can get back to me if it's not how you pronounce it. Um, but the definition is this, and it's to stay. Um, and then in parentheses, to stay in a place, in a state, in a relation, or expectancy. Um, abide is then like, what do you call words that are, have like similar meaning? Synonym? Okay, so abide, continue, some synonyms, synonyms, some synonyms, continue, dwell, endure, remain, stand, and tarry. Um, let's actually, I'm going to actually look at John 14, so if you guys want, you can go there if you brought your Bibles. Look at John 14, just to kind of give us a little bit of a, give you guys a little bit of a feel. When I was first, um, when God was like first kind of waking me up in my walk with him, probably like through, longer than that now, probably six or seven years ago. Like, I came across this word in here, and I wrote a little question mark by it. So that's a heads up for you guys if you're like, if you're just wondering what stuff is in scriptures, don't, don't just like pass it by. Especially the teachings of Jesus. Because I really believe a lot of the teachings of Jesus we've just like passed over is like, okay, we don't understand that, so we'll just keep moving. That's kind of what's happened. So there's like treasure out there waiting to be found in the teachings of Jesus and in the whole Bible, but specifically in the teachings of Jesus. That's why we formed a lot of our doctrine around the Pauline epistles because they're easy to understand. Jesus' teachings are like, huh? Anyway, so when I was first going through this and I came across this word abide, I wrote a question mark in it because I knew that I didn't have spirit understanding of it. I didn't have revelation knowledge of like, what in the heck is he talking about? And I still think the hole goes a lot deeper, but hopefully as we get into it tonight, we can kind of begin to unpack it a little bit. But let's read in John 14. Um, again, once again, you guys probably know this, but this is where Jesus is talking to his disciples right before he goes to the cross. So that's kind of like the context a little bit. And he's giving them some really awesome stuff. So we'll Maybe we'll even read the whole chapter. Do I have any volunteers? Who wants to read verse 1 through 15? Any takers? Anyone want to read? Got it, Rosie? Mm hmm. Mm. That's super good. All right, who wants to take on the rest of the chapter? Any other takers? Any other takers? 
You got it, man? All right, verse 16 through 31. Awesome. And we're going to look at chapter 15 because he gets into it again. Um, but I think the first like key thing that's huge for us to um, get a hold of before we begin to try and understand what it looks like to abide um, is the point that the Father is, inten- is intensely relational. Um. Our Father, God the Father, is intensely relational. His attitude toward you is relational, and his desire for your attitude towards others is to be relational. Um, and I know, like, we talk about this often, like, like every church, like, for, like, the salvation thing is, like, do you want to have a relationship with God? And, like, all this stuff. And we talk about it often, but... Um, like, knowing that our Father is relational and that that is his priority is something that, like, I do not see very often in the church. And I think it's something that's um, exciting, and it really helps a lot of the, like, to follow through on a lot of his commandments when we understand that he's intensely relational. You guys have heard, like, the difference between, like, Western culture and other cultures where we're very task, tend to be very task-oriented, in like other parts of the world, they're very relationship oriented. Yeah. So the father swings way more towards the relational end of the spectrum. Does he still want things to get done? Yes. But over and over and over again, he's had to show me. So, I mean, like, this has been something, it was funny because when I was looking at this point in my notes and I started trying to think of stories to share with you guys, the numbers of stories I have of the Father being like, I'm relational, Ryan. I mean, I, we would have been here all night. So I, I narrowed them down. <laughs> um, but have you guys ever noticed what the Father talks about? Like when he is speaking to you, like when he is meeting you in the secret place, and when he is addressing you, um, you guys ever notice what he's talking about? What's on his heart? Man, it's really not what he wants to get done or what we think he wants us to get done. Hmm. I remember when, when I first graduated from college and I began, um, like I shared my story with you guys and the Lord just began to overhaul who I was and who he was. And Anyway, like a lot of people at that time were asking me because I just graduated from college. So like, Ryan, what are you doing with your life? And I'd tell him, I'd say, you know, like, I'd love to tell you, but every time I talk to the Father, all he wants to talk about is who I am and who he is. You know? He wasn't giving me, like, concrete answers of, like, you're going to do this, and you're going to do this. Because oh. he's intensely relational. And he will not settle for less than intimacy with us. And I think this is often sometimes why we struggle with God. is because he has this vision for our relationship of like intimate communion. (laughs) And he's not willing to settle for less. He's just not willing to settle for less. So sometimes we take that as 
Like we take his lack of communication perhaps. We take that as he's not interested when really he's like, keep pursuing, keep coming because you're not, oh, I have so much more. Like I have so much more than just like this easy answer that you want right now. Hmm. And sometimes it's like it would be way easier if that wasn't his vision. Sometimes, I'll be honest, like I've just wanted the pop machine God that's like, here's my dollar. I hit the button. Please give me my answer. And then we'll be good. <laughs> oh. But man, he wants to be in it with us. Oh, man. He will not settle for less than intimacy. Man, he had to teach me this over and over. Yeah, let me see. I'm trying to remember what story I wanted to share with this. Um, I think like one of the most powerful stories ever was that I had experiencing this was when this one time I spoke and I dropped my notes and it was a really good sermon, but halfway through I dropped all my three by five cards and as I picked them up, I realized there was no way I was going to be able to get them back in order to like finish the sermon and, um, it was really good stuff and, uh, like, I finished up. Like, I just kept preaching. I shared, like, a couple more things, and then I was done. And, like, people afterwards were like, Ryan, it was amazing. Like, I love that sermon. And I was like, I was, like, receiving it, you know, with a smile. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, inwardly, like, I was hurting. And um, it was so funny because, like, I was, just, I was just, like, I realized I had this frustration with God where I was like, God, how could, how could you let that happen? You know, it felt embarrassing and all this other stuff. And, and then I think it was like the next morning Charlie talked about like like how close God is and how like amazing he is and all this stuff. And I was just like, oh, I was just irked by it. And I was irked all day Sunday and finally Sunday night, like I just couldn't get to sleep. I was staying in the house right over there and like I got in my forerunner and I drove and I just started like spewing at God, just like letting him have it. And I think it was probably things that were a lot deeper than just um, like just what happened, but it was almost like what happened there was like opening up my heart is like to the emotions that I was feeling towards God. And I was just, uh, I was just kind of letting him have it. Drove all the way around Presque Isle, like really venting at God and like pulled on the beach, walked like another 50 yards, still letting him have it. Um, and then finally, like I ran out of stuff to talk about, you know, I ran out of accusations made towards God and I'll never forget he said are you finished and I'm thinking to myself you know I've read the story of Job you know where he's like gird up your loins Job for I am God and I will answer you (laughs) and I had like and I I was on and at this point in my life I had received revelation of the goodness of God so it wasn't like I was like a brand new Christian that didn't know like God had shown me like how good he was and in multiple ways, and yet there is still this thing in my heart, and 
And I was like, God, that's all I got. And he said, uh, he said thanks for talking with me about it. <laughs> oh. He said, thanks for talking with me about it. And one, I think one thing I was yelling about was my faith because he said, if you could see your faith, you'd be encouraged. Man. But this is huge. Like, as we begin to, like, and as you guys, I'm sure, are already, like, have those moments where God's spoken to you and begin to put this picture together in order to understand how he wants to be in relationship with us in this relationship of abiding, we have to understand that the Father's priority is relational. Like, he's intensely relational. That's what is on his heart. Um, in fact, the key to prophesying is not knowing the future, but knowing the heart of the Father. So, do you, like, how many of you guys want to prophesy? You guys want to prophesy? Do you know what that, everyone know what that is and stuff? So the key to prophesying is not being able to hear God real good. And it's not being able to, like, somehow have these, like, super, no, like, the key to prophesying is knowing the heart of God. Because when you know the heart of God, you see people and you're able to, it's basically, it's more of a heart connection thing than actually your ability to hear. Um, so that's point number one. The Father is intense, intensely relational. Um, point number two in abiding um, that's important to know is he doesn't need you to get work done for him. And then I put in subcontext so you can stop being disappointed in yourself. <laughs> um, he doesn't need you to get work done for him. Um, in John 15, let me see. Let's do verse 4. It says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. Pretty straightforward. Jesus is like, the only way you're going to bear fruit is that you abide in me. Um, if you don't abide in me, you can't really bear fruit. So this is good news because as a branch, we're incapable of bearing fruit anyway, outside of the vine. Um, for years in college, I remember, like, really trying to bear fruit. Like, oh, I really want to bear fruit, God. I really want to see people saved. I want to see people coming into relationship with you. I want to see these things happening. And, um, just grateful that he, like, kind of revealed to me how that all works and how, as we focus on the vine, fruit comes. Fruit's just going to come out of your, <laughs> fruit's going to come out of you as we learn to abide. The Father is that confident that as we begin to encounter him, his heart, his goodness, we cannot help but bear fruit. I dare you to try and encounter the goodness and glory of God and not bear fruit in your life. It can't be done. Maybe it can, I don't know, but I really don't think so. <laughs> You will bear fruit. That's really good news. Um, oh, man. It's God's job to save the world. It's his job to save the world. I remember one night he gave me a song, and I was just singing over and over, like, about how his arm is mighty to save. 
Like, God's arm is mighty to save the lost. He's not freaking out about it. His plan, though, is to write his law on our hearts and on our minds. Like, that's his preferred way of working. Is abiding in relationship with us. But it's his job. He takes ownership of it. He takes ownership of it. And he invites us, if we want to, to participate with him. This is really good. Good news for us. How many of you guys are relieved? You don't need to get work done for him. This is a lot of work saving the world. <laughs> oh. um, about a year and a half ago, the Lord, uh, you, guys, you guys know Bethel Church in Reading? California, you guys heard of that church? They had like this crazy phenomenon happen where there was like uh, gold dust like filling like the room. It was just really, really cool. Just something God just chose to do at random times. And um, I was watching this at home and like I was just, I was just hungry and so I began to cry out for it myself. And I didn't get gold dust. But the Lord um, took me into a sweet heavenly encounter where um, like, he, he began to, like, show me in my mind's eye, like, I'll just share it with you guys. Um, what happened was this, this angel came, like, flying down, picked me up, put me on his shoulders, and, like, flew back up to heaven, and he dropped me off in the throne room. And, uh, like, Jesus came and was, like, take him to my doctors or whatever. And I was like, okay. My clothes were, like, raggeded, raggedy, kind of, and, like, there's holes in them and stuff, and so um, Jesus carried me, and I remember, like, I think he put me, like, he put me in his bed, and the next thing I do is I woke up, and, like, there was, like, all these different colored golds. It was really, really cool. Like, the the blankets, and I remember, like, the curtains, and um, it was just awesome. And I got up, and I had, like, gold pajamas on. Which sounds really cheesy, but in the vision, it wasn't that cheesy. But I had, like, different color pants from, like, the shirt, but it didn't look tacky. It looked really cool, just so you guys know. Um, But what was cool is just as I was waking up, the father came in. And, uh, like, as I was standing there, he came up next to me, and he took the crown off his head and put it on my head. And as he did so, as soon as he put it on my head, it, like, shrank to the size of my head. And, like, as soon as he put it on his on my head also, like, his crown reappeared. It was really cool. If you guys get, like, more interpretation as I'm talking, you can share it with me afterwards. So then uh, I was barefoot, and we go, the father invites me out into his vineyard, and um, we're playing in the vineyard, like, so it was like we were in this room, and then, like, I came into this open courtyard where there's, like, trees and stuff like that, and, like, really dark soil. And I came out into the vineyard, um, and like, like me and the father like playing tag and we're like tossing apples at each other. And, um, I'll never forget. He's like, I have some business to take care of. Like, do you want to come with me? And I'm like, sure. I'm thinking he's got business. I'm just going to hang out. So he's like, I've got business to take care of. Do you want to come with me? So we come out, like we come out of the vineyard, like, and all of a sudden we're in this courtyard and we're standing on the top of these steps. And out in this courtyard are all these, like, faceless people who are also, like, gold, too. And um, 
he said, they're mine, I'm giving them to you. I was like, whoa, because that's like, he said this, Jesus, when he was talking to the Father, was like, they're my, they were yours, and you've given them to me. Um, but this really put it into perspective for the first time that it really is the Father's work. Like, it's not, like, I chose to participate, and like, looking back on that, I know full well that if I told the Lord, no, why don't you go take care of your work? He'd have been like, okay. Like, oh, man. It's an invitation, not an expectation. Mm. That was the end of it. That was the end of the encounter. It was really cool. I'm really thankful the Lord showed me that stuff. But this is something that's, this is a huge part of abiding where we learn that he doesn't need us to get work done for him. He's capable. But he chooses to use us. All right. How am I doing? I think I'm going good. I'm doing really good. Okay. The third point. Well, actually, yeah, the third point. Um, Abiding requires trust, and trust is the fruit of relationship. Um, So it's almost like a cyclical thing. So in order to abide, it, it requires that we're able to trust, and trust is the fruit of relationship. Does that make sense to you guys? Said another way, I'm not 100% sure on this, but trust is not a choice. Trust is not a choice. I would really argue that trust is not a choice. Um, to be able to remain, to be able to abide in relationship um, requires trust. Like, it requires trusting the other one with your heart, not becoming closed off. And you would think this would be easy, but it's hard. Or, it's hard to stay tender. Like, our world, how many of you guys know that, like, we are really good at sarcasm? We are really good at being hard. Jesus shows up at a funeral for people that he doesn't even know, and he just loses it just bawling. The guy's a mess. Because he learned, he learned to trust, to be in the place of trust. Because when you're in the place of trust, you can be vulnerable. So good. Oh, that's such a good word. Hmm. And trust is the fruit of relationship. Like, the Lord's, you guys know Proverbs 2, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. I love that verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Like, what, what does that mean? Does it mean that, like, we are trying really, really hard to trust in the Lord? No. Trust in the Lord with all your heart means that the heart is the seat of your emotions. So what, it, what it's saying is, like, Basically, you have a heart knowledge of God that allows you to trust. It's so good. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) 
what, you're, what we're going to realize, like what I'm realizing, what we're going to be brought into is this place where we realize all these things that we've tried to keep track of in our Christian walk are taken care of as we abide in a relationship with the Father. Oh, isn't that good? So it's no longer like, did I witness to someone this week? I don't know if I witnessed to someone this week. I don't know if I'm prophesying. What am I doing? This situation just came up. I better read like five verses on trust tonight so that I can try and trust so that God won't be disappointed in my lack of trust. All these things like are going to be taken care of as we learn to just abide in relationship with the Father. Oh, man. Mm, trust is not a choice. It's a fruit of relationship. Mm. Man, I just want to go back on that where it's like, as we learn to trust, we're able to be vulnerable. Man. Like, so... <laughs> And I'm like, so few people can walk in vulnerability with their friendships. Really. Like with their spouses. Like our culture is just not, doesn't like this. It scares us. But it's super good. Like, God is redefining what I see as bold and courageous. You guys want to see someone bold and courageous? Someone who, like, when someone else is mourning, they, like, partner with them in that mourning. Like, someone else is weeping, so they come alongside them and weep alongside them. That's bold and courageous. Wowskies. That's putting yourself out there. Like, what if that person looks at you and you're like, what the frick are you doing? Seriously. Oh, man. I had a sweet, sweet time. The last time, or like two times previous when I preached on a Sunday morning, I asked the Lord to surprise us, and I asked the Lord to surprise me. And um, At the end of the service, Cody came forward. You guys know Cody? He's been like a friend of mine for a really long time, and he asked me to pray for him for a deeper revelation of like the heart of the Father. So, like, I began praying for him on that, but all, that, all of a sudden, all that was coming out for me was, like, my love for Cody. Like, it wasn't God's love for, it was God's love for Cody, but it's, like, my love for Cody. Before I know it, like, I'm, like, weeping over him, and he's weeping. Oh, man. It was so good. And I realized, and this is, this is for free because it has nothing to do with tonight. Well, it kind of does. But... I think oftentimes we really, like, we're wanting God to meet needs maybe in our hearts about, like, love and some of these other things that God is actually calling, like, us as a body to fill. Wow. I just realized it then because the heart need that Cody had wasn't, wasn't for the Father. The heart need was actually for him to hear, like, my affection for him. And, like, my heart need was, I don't know. It was just really interesting, you know? It was, and I loved it because, like, I think it's like breaking new ground. Joseph was like that. You guys know the story of Joseph? Another sidetrack. 
when, his, when he first reveals himself to his brothers, he loses it so bad that they're like, Joe, we're going to have to step in the other room. Because he's like sobbing uncontrollably, like snot is running down his beard. Look it up. Because I mean like, it, it, like, but he had such love for his brothers. And then it said that like, when they come back in, he weeps on each of their necks. Oh. Hmm. But as we begin, as we begin to trust, like trust and be open with the Father, and then like allow that bridge to be established between us and the Father where it's like we can trust him with everything, I really believe that's a huge part. Then as we turn, then we have this secure bridge, right? We've got this secure relationship where it's like I know the Father and the Father knows me. And like people can't touch that. I think that's a huge part to then being able to turn around. And you know what? People want to build bridges. They do. The, oh my gosh, it's the longing of, oh man, I remember praying for this junior high kid all around all of his junior high kid buddies. And he was like, stop, stop. But as I was praying love for this kid, he was getting wrecked by God. But he was like, stop, because he didn't want to cry in front of his friends. But I wasn't going to stop. I was filled with the Spirit, man. We were going for it. Ah, oh, whatever. He'll, you'll be fine. So... Don't do that. If someone doesn't want you to pray, that's an extreme circumstance. But um, people want relationship. They really do. Oh my gosh. You guys know what I'm, you know? People want real love. They want to share life. Oftentimes we're scared because of hurts and stuff like that. But if we, as we learn to like be in this relationship with the Father that's secure, we can turn and then we can be the ones that offer the bridge first. That's what Jesus did, man. Jesus reached, Jesus like put himself out there first. Who's got a good example of that? When, when was a good time that Jesus put himself out there first? Woman at the well. Wow, skis. <laughs> yeah. And even just as he's like, I love as he's talking to his disciples and he's like, it's just, like, as we were reading this, guys, I mean, like, you hearing this, it's, like, all about love. It's, like, yep. All right. Let's see. Back on topic. So that's trust. Hmm. So to be able to abide in relationship, it requires trust. Um, this applies, too, to, like, I feel like sometimes the Lord is calling us to just like abide in him like and to remain in a place and that requires a lot of trust as we're like God like I hate my job I'd really like not to be doing my job and it requires trust in a good God that says all right Lord you know if you wanted to move me like I would I would be gone but you have stuff for me here Requires trust. Okay. The final thing that's like crucial, I believe, in like beginning to grasp this topic of and really beginning to walk in a knowledge of like his abiding presence would be a knowledge of his delight. Or this is the fourth thing, I think, yeah. Knowledge of his delight. It is who you are, not what you do, that he delights in. 
Um, it's who you are, not what you do, that he delights in. I remember, because God's called me to preach, and so this has been an area of struggle at times for me where I'm like, oh, Lord, like, you know, either whether it's like feeling insecure or different stuff with preaching. And one time I remember being really nervous, and I was like, I was talking to God, and I said, God, I know I'm going to be nervous. And he said, I know too. <laughs> oh, he didn't do anything for my nerves. Hmm. So good. A knowledge of his delight. Um, when I when me and my wife were in Africa, like the Lord kind of downloaded some more of this for me and um, I like um, as I was praying I saw this picture of Jesus carrying the cross and I was standing in the crowd and he was carrying the cross and like I was probably like six rows deep and all of a sudden he drops the cross and like goes through the crowd and grabs me by the shoulders and he says it's for you that I die Whew. man He just like, he wanted me to get it. that The cross wasn't like some theological event that had to take place. And so the father was like, all right, it's time to send the son. <laughs> the father did not have a task needing to be done. So he sent his son to pay the price for the sin and provide salvation. No. What happened was the father was grieved at the thought of eternity without us. Hmm. This is huge, guys. This is like, if we're going to abide in him and bi- abide in relationship, we have to know that he delights in us, just for who we are. Not what you do, who you are. Man, I love that the Father said he was proud of Jesus before he, there was one recorded miracle. I love that. Hmm. Let's turn to Song of Songs real quick. Song of Solomon, sorry. Song of Solomon. We're going to look at a few verses that kind of really talk about his delight in us. Psalms, Proverbs, Isaiah. Right after Ecclesiastes. I'm going to read chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Um, actually, well, yeah. This is the bride speaking. She says, I am black but lovely. O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon, Do not stare at me because I am swarthy. For the sun has burned me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me caretaker of the vineyards. But I have not taken care of my own vineyard. Tell me, O you whom my soul loves, where do you pasture your flock? 
Where do you make it lie down at noon? For why should I be like one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? And then Solomon speaks, and he says, If you yourself do not know most beautiful among women, go forth on the trail of the flock and pasture your young goats by the tents of the shepherds. I love this. I love this. I love the contrast. So verse 5, you've got the bride talking about herself, and she says, I'm black but lovely. And she says in verse 6, I'm swarthy, which means like sun-beaten. And then I love it because the groom speaks, and he says, most beautiful among women. Come on. So this is... uh, This is like a, a picture of Jesus and his church. And I love that she's like, I'm black but lovely. And she sees herself in this light of like, listen, like I've had some things happen. I've had to, I've had to work really hard in the fields. And like, I'm swarthy now. Like, a.k.a., like I have some like I have some beauty, but I'm kind of blackened by the sun too, like And he his response to her, if you yourself do not know most beautiful among women, most beautiful, come on. Uh let's look at chapter four, verse nine too. This is one of those verses that I come back to often. I love this verse. It says, You have made my heart beat faster, my sister, my bride. You have made my heart beat faster with a single glance of your eyes, with a single strand of your necklace. Just mess you up, man. With a single strand, with a single glance of your eyes, you've made my heart beat faster. More, Lord. This is Jesus talking again. And he's saying, you know what? One look from you. One look makes my heart beat faster. Man. This is key because oftentimes like the enemy is going to come and he's going to lie and he's going to be like, because ah. the enemy is going to fight against our relationship with the Father. That's what he's coming against. One way he often comes against that is to try and get you to believe that the Father does not delight in you. And it's whether it's like he delights in your actions, yeah, maybe, but it's like he doesn't delight in you, just who you are. Hmm. This is why it's like just, just huge. As we begin to get this, where it's like this verse that's just insane. Like, I don't know that we've touched this verse yet. Like, I know it's in the Bible, but the thought of the fact that one glance from my eyes causes the Father's heart to beat faster. 
I remember the first time like he showed me that he like he actually listened to me when I prayed. Whoa. Imagine if the Father listened to you guys when you prayed. He does listen to you when you pray. That you have the ear of the king of the universe. He hasn't promised to do whatever we ask him, but he promises to listen. He promises to listen. Wow. I think one of like the one of my favorite pictures of this is actually later on in of abiding is later on in John when um let me see if I can find it. I think it's at the end of chapter 16. I can't find it. Anyway, Jesus says to his disciples, like, you guys are all going to forsake me, but I'm not worried because the Father is with me. Like, Jesus had this knowledge of, like, his abiding presence with him, and so it was like he was unafraid to face the cross. Wow. That's what he's bringing us into. Um... Tonight on the way here, like as I was praying for tonight, God was, I felt like the Lord was saying like he was mending bridges. Um, and I didn't really know what he was talking about, but I felt like um, the Father was just going to mend some bridges like between like his heart and yours. Um, it's funny because oftentimes we don't realize that we're the ones who sometimes burn bridges. We're the one that sometimes are, actually, we're the ones that always, <laughs> yeah, it's on us. But we're the ones who get hurt. And, like, sometimes this happens when we're, like, way young, so we don't know it. But we burn the bridges, like, between us and the Father. We actually cut it off. We're like, wow, like, this closeness thing, this intimacy thing, this can really hurt. A lot of times this happens, like, in our relationships with our earthly fathers. So our earthly fathers let us down. In my case, like my, my earthly father was not very, uh, like with his words, he wasn't very affirming. And I didn't realize this, but in my heart, it was like I, like I distanced him because I was like, I'm, I'm tired of trying to earn that affirmation from you. It's crazy. Like, but I burned the bridge. I was like, all right, I'm done. But thankfully, I've gone back to that and I've come to the place where I've been able to forgive my dad and also ask forgiveness for judging him. And so, like, that can be reopened where it's like he can pour into me again. <clears throat> anyway, I felt like the Father was wanting to just mend some bridges with us tonight. So we're going to do that. So right now, why don't you guys just close your eyes and we'll just invite Holy Spirit to come. And we're going to do this for like the last five or ten minutes. So you just close your eyes and chill.
Holy Spirit, we just, um, we just welcome you into this room, God. Lord, and I know, Lord, that it is the desire of every guy, every girl in this room, Lord, to abide in relationship with you, Father. To really walk in this, God. To walk in this, this picture that Jesus had and invited us into, Lord, the same relationship that he had, God, has been given to us, Lord, and I know it's the desire, Lord, of people's hearts here tonight, God. So, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to do the work that you want to do of mending bridges, God. Father, whatever that is, Holy Spirit, mending bridges, Lord, between us and you, God. We just give you the floor, God. Some of you tonight, like, God's just going to give you permission to, like, I feel like um, you've been doing, like, all these other things, and, like, God's just giving you permission to, like, Go after the one thing. Go after the one thing, like pursue knowing him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Some of you, it's like you don't even know where to begin. You're like, God, I don't even know where to begin. And I feel like the Father's saying, like, don't worry. Like, don't worry. Like, I'm an expert at this. <laughs> like, I've, I feel like he's saying I've walked, like, so many of my sons and daughters through this before. And I'll walk you through it. And I'm faithful to the end. I'm faithful to the end. I'm faithful to the end. Like, I know how to, I know how to build this bridge between us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God. Did anybody get anything that they want to share? God show you something or speak something to you that you want to share?
awesome. That's sweet. Thank you, Lord. Wow. <laughs> Man, that's a good word. That's good. Anybody else? Something the Holy Spirit spoke to you or showed you if it's a picture? Do it, man. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you just for the hearts, Lord, just of my brothers and sisters here, Father, who are just tender before you, Lord. Father. And I just bless them, Lord, and all that you're doing in their life, God, all that you're showing them and all that you're bringing them into, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord. Thank you for the work that's going on in their heart, God the transformation that's taking place even though they don't see it, God. Thank you, Lord. We just bless it, Lord. I bless that transformation, Lord. A deep work that you're doing in the hearts, God, of my brothers and sisters. That's awesome, God. Just bless them tonight, Lord. Bless them the rest of this week, Lord God. I pray for instances, Lord, where they'd see fruit, Lord, that um, they didn't even know, Lord, was going to be there, God. That they'd see fruit that they didn't even expect, Father God as they just abide with you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. We love you. Amen.